Did you know that you're forgiven from every sin that we've done yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forever? Lord, we thank you. We praise you for that. We thank you that you are good. We thank you for your grace. Lord, for your mercy that your word tells us is new every morning. Lord, we want to pause just for a few moments this morning to calm our hearts, to listen for your still, small voice. Lord, to allow, allow you to change us uh, more into your image, Lord, as faith comes by hearing and hearing by your, your word, Lord. As we peer back at the cross, knowing, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed, by your blood we are forgiven. Lord, that you have overcome death in our sin. Lord, that you have forgiven us that we may forgive others. Lord, we bring our, our gift to the altar this morning. As Romans says, Lord, that we come as living sacrifices. Lord, for you are deserving. May your people's words be a sweet melody to your ear. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. together friends there's a place there's a place where mercy reigns and never dies there's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide For all the love I've ever found Comes like a flood Comes flowing down All together, friends At the cross, at the cross I surrender my life I'm in all of you I'm in all of you, where your love ran red and my sin washed white. I owe all to you, I owe all to you, Jesus. There's a place. A place where sin and shame are powerless. Where my heart has peace with God and forgiveness. For all the like a flood comes flowing down at the cross at the cross i surrender my life 
church oh it's good to see you it's good to be with you a reminder as we sing this next song that a thousand times we may fail but God's mercy remains Lord we thank you that his goodness is great amen it's not on our behalf but his let's sing together as we remember that he is above all else he loves you he cares for you you are cleansed you are forgiven may we come with thanksgiving thousand times I fail, still your mercy remains. Should I stumble again, still I'm caught in your grace everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond Oh, 
together saints hungry I come Jesus. 
Voices, church, I'm falling. I'm falling on my knees, offering all of me. Jesus, you're all this heart is living for. Lord, may that be the prayer of our heart. As we rejoice knowing that you are sovereign, that you are king. Lord, we lift our hands in surrender and adoration and praise. Lord, it won't be just mere words, but praying, Lord, that you will change the heart that so easily gets ensnared by the world. Lord, as, as Peter tells us to be holy, for you are holy, those are some huge shoes. But Lord, we know that we don't do it on our, our own accord. But Lord, by your strength, by your spirit, that we are sanctified and made whole, that we are on that journey. But we come knowing, Lord, that you are the one that we need, the one that we may be cleansed by. So Lord, we come, we come confessing, we come celebrating, we come proclaiming. And Lord, we honor you, we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friends, we're gonna sing this next song. We're gonna invite you to put your hands together in celebration and uh, let's join together as we rejoice. Church, 
behold this power holy that with confidence on you. For the one who holds the heavens and commands the stars above is the God who bends to bless us with an unrelenting love. strong line that last one says in the midst of suffering he will help you sing rejoice lord we praise you we honor you we thank you that you have given us the gift of music that we can be reminded through song and through your word lord that you are good lord may you teach us today about forgiveness about your grace we love you lord in jesus name amen Good morning. Happy Sunday. I am very glad to be here with you. Um, hopefully, you grabbed the Lord's Supper at the front door when you came in. A little grape juice and uh, bread on top. If you didn't, maybe at some point when it's convenient, go get one, because that's what we're here to do is celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, Pastor Jesse is on vacation with his family. And so be praying for him that that time is blessed and protected and um, fruitful. My name is Caleb. I'm the youth pastor here at SBC Truckee. And uh, this morning we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 
through chapter 6, verse 15. We're going to be looking at forgiveness. So, in standing tradition, oh, that's bad, I'm sorry. Would you stand with me while um, we read God's word? I'm embarrassed. (laughs) Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. This is the Sermon on the Mount, and these are the words of Jesus. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse from the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For if you, for then, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father, who sees in secret, And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You may be seated. This is God's word. Lord, I thank you that this word never returns void, that you are always working to conform us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, And I ask that you would, um, Lord, anoint me to teach and preach your word. And I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And we'd see you clearly and hear what you have to say to us this morning. You'd change our hearts. Help us to come with expectation, Lord, that we would expect to hear from you, expect for you to move in our hearts. You are so good, Lord, and so powerful and able. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we're talking about forgiveness. 
In, um, in chapter 5, verse 38, Jesus begins to talk about retaliation. And he's talking about forgiveness. And then um, he ends at 15, 615. And he, he, Jesus delivers the most clear commandment that we have from him. You must forgive others if you are to be forgiven. In between, you know, the passage on retaliation, he talks about loving your enemies, giving to the needy, how to pray, and they're all connected to this theme of forgiveness. Jesus didn't just start with this idea and, like, end with this and, like, throw some stuff in the middle. This all connects, and it all informs us of how to live spiritually, how to live on this higher plane. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's describing living on a totally different level. And it's a, it's a living as children of God. And to forgive others is to live on a totally different level. It's supernatural. Christianity is unique in that it's the only faith system or religion that teaches that you must forgive anything to anyone. Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. There are four, <laughs> four components for different um, ideas of forgiveness that I want to look at this morning. The first being, to forgive someone, you must name the evil and condemn it. Name the evil and condemn it. Second is forgiveness is a gift. It's in the name, forgiveness. Third, forgiveness is a form of love. And fourth, to forgive, you must receive a reward from your Father in heaven. To forgive others, you must receive a reward from your Father in heaven. That reward is him speaking to your heart Child, you are forgiven and loved. And if there's a phrase, if there's a message I believe that God wants to speak to us this morning, it, it's that. Child, you are forgiven and loved. If you're wrestling with unforgiveness in your heart, I believe it's because you need to hear that first from him. Child, you're forgiven and loved. With that, let's begin at verse 38 of chapter 5. Matthew 5, 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. That first component of forgiveness. You must name the evil and condemn it. Oftentimes when we are looking for forgiveness for ourselves from the Lord or we are trying to forgive somebody else, we're, we're mixing the idea of making excuses for ourselves or making excuses for others. And it, it really frustrates the process because excuses and excusing and forgiving are almost opposites. Um, for example, if I tackled one of your children, I weigh 240 pounds. You could arguably be very upset with me. But if I tackled that child to save them from an oncoming car, I have a perfect excuse, and there is no forgiveness needed. In fact, you owe me thanks. 
So they're, they're almost opposites, you see. Um, and oftentimes we're guilty of like coming to the Lord and asking for forgiveness. And really we just are giving him a list of excuses of why we did what we did. Um, C.S. Lewis describes that. It's like, that's like going to the doctor with a broken arm and saying, but doctor, this arm works fine. And so does this leg and my toes and this leg is great. You know, you don't go to the doctor like that. When your arm's broken, you, you go to the doctor. If he's not paying attention to this, you're upset. You're like, hey, doctor, right here. Um, and oftentimes that's what we're doing with the Lord is we're not coming to him and showing him the broken part. We're showing him all the ones that are working and trying to justify the broken part. And that frustrates the process because it's just, it's so much simpler to come to the Lord and to receive that message of child, you're forgiven and loved. It's your heart that's the problem. Your unforgiveness is a result of not hearing that message from him, not receiving that love into your spiritual bank account. Um, you know, when we, when, when we look at others, we'll say things like, hey, you know, you got to forgive that person. You don't understand. They're a cheater. They broke a solemn vow. Well, yes, there's no excuse for it. That's why we need to forgive. Forgiveness is for the inexcusable. So naming the evil and condemning it is essential in our process of forgiveness or even receiving forgiveness. Let's continue on. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Jesus is saying you're, you're called to live on a totally higher plane, a totally different dimension as a Christian. You're children of heaven. Your citizenship is no longer attached to this world. You belong somewhere else, and you have to live according to that. I mean, even within um, today's era, we understand, like, when somebody's royalty, they have to kind of live by a different set of rules, you know? Um, you're not allowed to say certain things, and you're not allowed to act a certain way, or you're not supposed to. You're supposed to represent the kingdom. And as children of God, we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and we are supposed to ascend and to live on this higher plane. Uh, when he talks about, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him, turn to him the other also, Jesus is not uh, condoning an abusive situation. This is an insult. When you receive an insult, Turn the other cheek. You know, um, the idea here, to be slapped on the right cheek, somebody slaps you on the right cheek, it's the idea that you're getting backhanded, with, you know, because you slap with your strong hand. Most people are right-handed. So the idea is an insult. And then when he talks about if somebody would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your, clo your uh, cloak as well. Uh, in Levitical law, you couldn't sue somebody for their outer garment. You couldn't take their coat. You could take their T-shirt, but not their coat. And so Jesus is saying, if they try and take your t-shirt, give them your coat, cloak, coat as well. And, and again, he's, he's saying it's above and beyond. This is not deserved. It's without excuse. It's forgiveness. And then he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. These were, this was, uh, in their time, a Roman soldier who they had occupation of Israel at this time, they could a Roman soldier could walk up to an Israelite and, and force them to carry a load for a mile. And Jesus says, if that happens to you, take it two miles, above and beyond supernatural living. Um, verse 42, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. That second component of forgiveness is gift giving. 
forgiveness. And the gift that we give people in forgiveness is to separate them from the action that they have committed. And it's hard for us because when somebody does something bad, we label them with that action. You are now a murderer. You are now a cheater. You are now a liar. Fill in, you know, fill in the blank. But when somebody does something evil, we label them with that action. And the gift of forgiveness is to separate that person who is eternal. It's to choose to see them as um, somebody who <laughs> exists not just in this time and space, but they are an eternal being. And that is what, you know, the gift of forgiveness. And it's a choice of the will. It's not something that you feel. It's something that you are determining to believe. And really, it's so gospel. I mean, to, to separate somebody from their actions, that points to the cross. You know, that I am crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It, to, to, to give that gift, you have to receive that gift. And it's so otherworldly. It is so Jesus. I watched a lot of TED Talks. No, okay. I watched two TED Talks on forgiveness in preparing for this. The world has no answers to this. I mean, the best that they get is like, at some point, I just determined to not care about this anymore and to like just deny that it happened. And that's not Christian forgiveness. Christian forgiveness is not just denial of, of what's happened and a refusal to, uh, to feel something. It's so much more. I mean, it is supernatural. Let's continue on. Love your enemies. Verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Forgiveness is an act of love. And if you're going to love somebody, in your forgiveness of them, you have to help them to stop sinning if you can. A good example of this is if a wife is in an abusive situation, she must first name the evil and condemn it. Abuse is not right. It's wrong. There's no excuse. She must give the gift of separating that person from the action, that they are eternal, and that eternal soul matters. And so because of that, what happens in this life does not matter as much as what happens in eternity. So she needs to call the police and stop him from doing what he's doing so that he is not corrupting his own soul for eternity. Forgiveness is not passive. It is incredibly offensive. But it has to go through those steps. It has to be done out of love, out of concern for the soul that is eternal. Verse 45. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Jesus brings in this idea, this fourth component, a reward. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This idea of reward and this idea of your heavenly Father, that's this, uh, this fourth component, and this is how we, how we forgive. I like 
you know, almost for the purposes of this morning, verse 48, you must therefore forgive as your heavenly Father forgives. A lot of times Christians, we have a hard time um, believing that we're to do things out of a reward. Like we think we can't, we're not supposed to do that. C.S. Lewis has a famous sermon called the, the Weight of Glory, and the way he starts that sermon is he says, you know, a lot of Christians make the mistake of thinking that the highest virtue is selflessness. It's not. The highest virtue for the Christian is love. He says, what you've done is you've exchanged a positive for a negative, and that's not the Christian faith. It is a positive. And so you have to first receive that message of, child, you are forgiven and loved in order to give that out to anyone. If you're going to try and be selfless on your own, you won't be able to do it. Having received God's love and his forgiveness and his acceptance and his approval, you can therefore give it to other people. You're, you've got money in the spiritual bank account. John Piper's entire ministry is God is most glorified when, oh, actually I wrote it down, hold on. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's John Piper's like main message <laughs> of his life and his work. We're not able to do this without this reward from the Father. Um, in chapter 6, you know, we look at giving to the needy and the Lord's Prayer. And in both these sections, Jesus warns us not to do, not to practice our righteousness, not to pray, not to forgive others so that we're seen by others. In essence, he's almost saying, hey, don't, don't be living to make yourself famous. You need to live in a way that makes Jesus famous. But he's also saying, if you're doing this to be accepted by others, you're circumventing, you're, you're messing up the process because it's not other people's love and acceptance you need to hear. You need to hear the eternal God, the heavenly Father, say to your soul, child, you are forgiven and loved. And we, we like to throw in all this noise into that process and think we can get approval from all these different situations and people, and that will be enough to fill our soul. It won't. So let me read uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness, beware of practicing your forgiveness before other people in order to be seen by them. Now, if somebody sees you forgiving somebody else, that's not wrong. But if you're doing it for your own fame, if you're doing it to be seen by them, beware, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give forgiveness, give to the needy. Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is kind of echoed again in the next passage. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray that your Father who is in, in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is hammering on this idea of this heavenly reward. 
and it's important. And, and man, when I'm forgiving people, I think one of the first things I want to do in my, my flesh is I want to go and commiserate with others. Do you know what so-and-so did to me? It's unbelievable, inexcusable. And they're like, well, you're such a good person forgiving them. <laughs> and I'm wanting that accolade, that uh, applause, that, uh, that praise. I'm wanting that popularity from others. And really, really what I'm doing in all that is I'm just, my heart's desperately trying to hear your forgiven in love. Because like when somebody talks bad about me or when somebody accuses me of, when somebody accuses me of something, my heart, it just it points the finger on the wound of my heart and says, I don't feel forgiven, I don't feel accepted, I don't feel loved, and that I'm never going to be satis- satisfied hearing that from other people of this world. It's an eternal hole. Um, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has also set eternity in the human heart. It's a nice way of saying you have a God-shaped hole. <laughs> he has set eternity in your heart, and only God can fill that. Only the eternal being. I was talking with a friend, I was having breakfast with a friend, and he was saying, you know, who would have to be sitting in the audience on Sunday um, and say you did a great job with your sermon for you to, like, really feel good enough about yourself? And I was like, you know, he's like, would it be Timothy Keller or, you know, Piper? I was like, no, no, we're going to have to start with D.A. Carson, Stott, uh, Timothy Keller, John Piper, uh, Francis Chan, Spurgeon. I mean, it, all those guys, it wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't be enough. And we could fill the audience and they could all say, wow, great job. But that approval and that praise would not be enough to fill the hole in all of our hearts that only God can, can touch. Only God can fill that, that need and that hurt and that longing to hear, child, you are forgiven and loved. Jesus continues on. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus starts off with prayer with Father. Again, he is driving home this point of you, to live spiritually, to live on this higher playing field, you have to, it's, it's through an intimate and personal and even secret, intimate, like a marriage relationship with the Father. You won't succeed in Christian living without that unless you are hearing in your own heart from the Lord of heaven, child, you're forgiven in love. You won't be able to do it. And that's what, it, that's what would have stuck in the original audience ears. You know, we've grown up in America, most of us, and um, the idea of our, your heavenly father is pretty common, and it's easy to skip over that. But to the original audience, that would have stuck in their ear. Every time Jesus said, your father in heaven, your father in heaven, your father, that would have pricked their ear because to them, they're like, you can't say that. That's too intimate. That's too personal with the Lord of hosts. You know, remember, with God's true name, they would, the priests, they would remove the vowels and only write the consonants. And they would 
when they came to writing that out in scripture, they would stop what they were doing. They would go take a bath, change their clothes, get a new pen, and write that word, those syllables out. Oh, oh gosh. Constance, thank you. Um, I actually still don't know which one's right. Um, the reverence that they had for God and his holiness was extreme and it almost would offend their sensibilities to, to call God Father. That would have stuck in their ears. The next line, hollow be your name. Your forgiveness is on the basis of your relationship with the Lord, hearing that from him, that you're forgiven and loved, and its motivation needs to be for, for Jesus' fame, not your own. Hollow be your name, Lord, not mine. You can't do this for fame amongst other people. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There's an aspect of submission and forgiveness. You're choosing to believe in the cross, choosing to believe that that person is separated from their actions and they are eternal. Give us this day our daily bread. This feeling of forgiveness, this action of forgiveness, the ability to forgive others, it is something you will daily have to draw from the Lord. It is not something that's a one and done deal. Um, daily you will have to operate in a close relationship with him to forgive others. Corey Tim Boom is one of my heroes, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about her later and actually read part of her life story at the end of this. But she talks about how you cannot daily, you can't store up good feelings and good behavior. You must draw them from the Father daily. And she would use Romans 5.5 5 as like a promise verse to do that, Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope does not put us, put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And it's almost like she would tap into that and use that as a way to funnel God's love into her life and claim it as a promise. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. I can't forgive anyone if I'm not being forgiven. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm going to need your help tomorrow, Lord. I can't do this alone. When the future comes, I need you leading me and guiding me. I need help. And then he ends. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I want to read to you, um, Corey Tim Boom lived during World War II, and during the Nazi occupation of Holland, her and her sister Betsy hid Jews. They were betrayed by somebody they helped. They hid somebody and gave them money. That person took the money, went to the um, Gestapo, and sold them out. And her... Corey and her sister Betsy ended up in the concentration camp. Betsy smuggled in a little Bible and kind of was full of faith through the whole experience and died in the concentration camp. Corey grew bitter towards the Lord at first, and the Lord stirred in her, li in her heart in the concentration camp, and, uh, and she was drawn close to the Lord, and her heart was tender towards the Lord, and she was miraculously released. And she spent most of her life from then on Preaching the gospel, a lot of that time was spent in Germany, preaching the forgiveness of, of God. And this is a, a story that she wrote. 
of her life and of her time in, in Nazi Germany. In this story from November 1972, the author of The Hiding Place recalls forgiving a guard at the concentration camp where her sister died by Corey Ten Boom. It was at a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed to hear most in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that's where forgiven sins are thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God casts them into the deepest ocean gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence. In silence, they collected their wraps. In silence, they left the room. And that's when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One moment, I saw the overcoat and brown hat, the next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with a skull and crossbones. It came back to me with a rush. The huge room with its harsh, harsh overhead lights and the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor. The shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein, how good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled with my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner amongst thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he didn't remember me. But since that time, he went on. I had become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me the cruel things that I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, again, the hand came out. Would you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins had every day been forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I have ever had to do, for I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God, of message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If we do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return from the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with coldness clutching my heart. 
But forgiveness is not an emotion I yield up to. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into that one outstretched to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raised down my arm, and sprang into our joined hands. Then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. That is the forgiveness. That is the reward that God offers us. He says, you being good fathers know how to give good gifts. How much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit? The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Our hearts desperately need to hear, child, you are forgiven and loved. You will never be able, if you're wrestling with forgiveness this morning, that's what your heart needs to hear. Child, you are forgiven and loved. For the Lord to say the word child, it means that he's connecting himself to you, that he is associating with you, that he is binding you to himself for all of eternity. You're his. You are forgiven. He has named your evil and he has condemned it and he has dealt with it on the cross. There's no excuse for what you did. That's why you were forgiven. And you're loved. I wrestle with unforgiveness all the time against my brother and sisters in Christ. And I'm actually comforted that you can read the rest of this article. Just Google Corey forgives the guard. Corey Timboom forgives guard. And this was only half the story. The other half of this, Corey is actually working on forgiving her brothers and sisters in Christ. And she doesn't say that it's harder, but she almost makes it sound like it's harder than forgiving the guard because they should have known better, is what she said. And it's hard to forgive your brothers and sisters because they should have known better. Known better. It's hard to forgive your pastor because we should have known better. But if you're wrestling with unforgiveness this morning, it's because your heart desperately needs to hear, child, you are forgiven and loved. And let the Holy Spirit pour its lo- his love into your life, that reward from the Father. It's secret. It's private. It's for you as an individual. This morning, we are celebrating by partaking in the Lord's Supper. We look to the cross, the means of our forgiveness. And Brad's going to come up, and he's going to lead us in a song. And, and during that time, Partake in this at your own pace. But my prayer, my hope, Lord, that I pray that you would speak to that, speak that message to our hearts, Lord, that um, we as your people in your church, we would hear that you have forgiven us and that you love us and we're your children, Lord. Child, you are forgiven and loved. Amen.
stuff that, you know, those elements that you have in your hand to be able to share as we sing this next song. Um, being reminded that by the shedding of blood, we have the remission of sin. That's what Hebrews tells us, forgiveness of sin. So we have the, the wafer that's on top. There's two peels there, so you don't go flying and thinking someone's there in front of you. But the wafer representing the broken body of Christ that was broken on our behalf. The word tells us by his stripes we are healed, by his broken body. Um, he relates to us knowing that, that we are frail and broken. And ultimately, by the shedding of his blood, as I mentioned, we are forgiven. So we're going to sing this next song. Um, feel free to, to stand, to raise your hands, to, to honor our king, for he is deserving. But more importantly, come into his presence boldly, proclaiming the blood of Christ, saying, God, your word tells me by your blood I am forgiven. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. Say to say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Cause Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow lord now indeed i find thy power in thine alone can change the leprous heart of stone cause Jesus paid it all all to him my own sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow and when Will you stand with us as we 
we proclaim this next part of oh praise the one the one who paid our debt it goes like this church oh praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead oh praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead oh praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead oh praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead jesus paid it all all to him time just your voices because she to that church? Amen. Amen. Hey, we're going to share a new song with you this morning that God has indeed done great things. Let's join together. I invite you to sing. It's an easy song. You'll pick up on it. Uh, let's, uh, let's sing together. our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive to break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. You'll be faithful forevermore. You 
blessing what a blessing to sing with you guys as we leave this place be reminded of God's grace his goodness that we are forgiven from our sins of yesterday today and into eternity God bless you guys take care have a great week